Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse presented by Deep Dive Sports. Today, we're going to be hitting on topics covering the Cleveland Browns, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Columbus Crew. We're going to talk about a little bit about college athletics and the name image likeness. But to start off the episode, we are going to kind of start off on a heavier topic. Earlier this week on the 4th, we did lose somebody who was a part of the Blue Jackets organization, the goalie Matisse Kivlinix. On the 4th, he was at a 4th of July party, and unfortunately, an errant firework kind of tipped over, and the mortar blast hit him in his chest, which caused some chest trauma and damage to his heart and lungs and inevitably um, caused his death. From Deep Dive Sports, we just kind of want to reach out Give condolences to the family and to the Blue Jackets organization. That is something that no one should really have to go through. I'm just going to let Gray kind of talk on it for a minute or two. But again, condolences to the family. And is it tragic? It's it's definitely a sad note, you know, especially since they were at a wedding uh, for one of the goaltending coaches, Manny Legace. His daughter got married that day. So they were at the kind of the after party or the afterwards of the the wedding, and you know that happened that day. So it's just a very sad, sad thing that happened. And as Nick said, we send our condolences not only to uh, his family, uh, but the entire Blue Jackets community. Again, just kind of echoing what Greg and I said, sending our condolences to the family, the Blue Jackets community, and I think we'll we'll kind of leave it there. We'll kind of move on to the rest of our topics with our episode. Moving on. We are going to be talking about the Cleveland Browns, specifically OBJ, and whether or not he can become dominant again, and then whether or not him and Baker Mayfield can finally get on the same page. Obviously, the first chance they got to play together was when Freddie Kitchens was the coach, and we kind of saw how that went the whole season. I don't really think it was their fault. And then we kind of got to see them in that new offense last year, and obviously only for a short six games. I did want to just read off a few stats before we you know, gave our opinions and got started. So in the 2021 season, Baker Mayfield with OBJ on the field for those first six games, he threw 10 touchdowns with seven interceptions. He averaged 182.5 yards a game. That was totaling about 1,095 yards. Without OBJ in those remaining 10 games, he had 16 touchdowns, one interception. He averaged 246.8 yards a game, totaling about 2,468 yards. And then in those six games, when OBJ was on the field, throws targeting OBJ, Baker had a completion percentage of about 59.9%, and his off-target percentage to OBJ was about 28.2%. And then throws targeting all other receivers in that time, Baker had a completion percentage of 78.6%, and his off-target percentage was 10.7%. So I'm going to kind of throw it over to Greg. After hearing all of that, and obviously all the research that you've done, and thinking that you've done about this over the past couple of days, do you think that OBJ can be dominant again? And then do you think that he can be dominant again with Baker Mayfield as, as his quarterback? I mean, I definitely think that he can be dominant again. You know, he's topped a thousand yards every time he's played at least 12 games in a season. I believe that's five times he's done that. You know, he's eclipsed 13 and a half yards per catch in all but one season, you know, average. And he could pretty you know it's pretty confident that he's going to go off this year i think you know the first full season under uh stefanski we all know that jarvis landry is mayfield's favorite 
Brown's offense starts on the ground. Um, but if he can stay on the field, there's no reason to think that he can't do another thousand yards and put Cleveland in that category, you know, of being a contender in in their division. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree that I think he can be dominant again. I just don't know if he can be dominant again with Baker as his quarterback. I think it all just depends on what they decide their relationship is going to be going forward. I can't tell if in those first six games of last year, if they just weren't comfortable in that offense. So, you know, Baker was going through his progression, just wasn't comfortable making those throws, and then just kind of threw a bunch of jump balls to OBJ because that was kind of his comfort zone. And then maybe hopefully this year he's more comfortable in that offense. So he's going to kind of spread the ball out a little bit more, be comfortable throwing to other wide receivers. Or it was every single time in the locker room or during practice, OBJ was in Baker's ear being like, hey, man, give me the ball. I'm a star. I'm always open. Throw me the ball. I'll get it no matter what. I just don't know what, you know, whether one of those two options was. And I think we'll kind of see that going into this next year. But if it was the, you know, the second scenario, I just don't know if they're going to be able to be successful because I don't think that Baker Mayfield is that kind of guy. I don't think he can put it on a rope. I don't think he can, you know, drop it in the bucket like some of the more premier quarterbacks within the league. And a wide receiver like that needs a person who can kind of, like I said, put it in the bucket whenever they want. And I don't know if Baker Mayfield's like that. Uh, I honestly don't think that Baker Mayfield needs to be that accurate. OBJ is a walking sports center highlight. He constantly, you know, with time with the Giants, time with the Browns, he's been able to show these one-handed catches, these amazing, you know, top 10 on sports center. So like it's it's definitely there and he his ability, I mean, he was catching passes from Eli. I mean, come on. We're not going to put Eli in that category of being that, you know, that <laughs> great either so you know he did all those things with him why can't he do them with baker you know my only worry about the the connection between the two honestly has to do with baker's mentality with not getting this possible contract extension that i think he thinks he deserves and wants this big thing and i'm not 100 percent sure that baker's head's going to be in it as much as others might think you know this year you know I, i know he's a contender i know he's a baller you know he goes out there he he cares, but there's that little bit of underlying, well, you know, I'm not getting paid what I I think I deserve. So not that he's going to underthrow balls or anything like that, but it's just in the back of your mind, there's a certain confidence that maybe doesn't come from not having a, no, a team that fully has your back, you know, upper management and the GM. So we'll see if, if they can get on the same page. Uh, my, my hopes are they can, but I guess we'll see at the end of the season. I mean, you you do present a really good point in, is he going to just be like, hey, don't screw you guys, you didn't pay me, you know what I mean? And that's going to translate play-wise, or is he going to be like, man, I really want to get paid, I got to show these, and I got to show these guys that I'm the dude, I'm their franchise quarterback. And is he yeah. going to force, you know, those passes again to OBJ to try to get those big plays, to try to make something happen, to try to score a lot of points, instead of going back to that, like, let's methodically you know, get down the field, let's throw to the open wide receiver. Because I do think he has a strong arm. I do think he has a little bit of mobility when it comes to getting out of the pocket and then maybe getting a couple yards down the field. So if he just makes smart plays, they're going to pay him. I mean, that's 
that's what it is. So I think it just depends on which which of the three scenarios he's he's going to choose or which of the three, three paths, I should say, he's going to choose. Is he going to be like, ah, screw these guys, force stuff, or is he going to be smart and just play his game? And then he's going to get the bag no matter what. So yeah, whether, whether it be from the Browns or another team. So, yeah, yeah. And to be fair, like if I'm him, I, I know that players are like, oh, I'm so good. But like, like, look back at your stats, you know what I mean? From from the past three seasons, if I'm him and I'm like, OK, my rookie season, I was pretty good. The second season, I don't think it was all my fault, but obviously the stats weren't there. So they can look at that and be like, ah, whatever. You know what I mean? And then this past year, he kind of came back on the scene and put up some good numbers again. So in this fourth year, I think he has to have a year where he shows out. And if he shows out, that they're going to have to pay him like a franchise quarterback. And and right now, that's that's what, like 38 to 45 million a year, right in that range. I don't know if he'll get that top end 45 a year, but, you know, I, I, I do think he can get right around like 40, 41 if he he has a good season. You know, and he has I don't he has confidence and arrogance, but in a good way, he's humble to a lot of degrees. And, you know, he doesn't have like TO arrogance where I just think I'm God's gift to, you know, everything that created football. So he's got that right level of just enough confidence, just enough arrogance to be like, I know I'm good, but I can get better. And I think that that'll play to his his favor when it comes down to all this. Yeah, I agree. So I think we both think that OBJ is going to be dominant again. But I do think we're a little bit different on whether or not he can be dominant with Baker. I think it just depends on, for me, it depends on how their relationship goes. And I think it sounds like they're kind of in the same boat as well. We'll move on to our topic with the Bengals, sticking with the NFL. I just kind of wanted to gauge your opinion there, Greg, on, you know, how much has their roster really improved? And then is it good enough to keep Burrow upright? And is it good enough to win games? So when you look back at the 2021 season, in the 10 games that Burrow played, he was sacked 32 times. If he had played the full 16 games and you kind of, you know, use that like 3.2 times he was sacked a game and, and stretched that out those 16 games, that would have been about 51 times. That would have been the most. You know, other players that were close were Wentz, who was sacked 50 times, Watson was sacked 49, and, and Wilson was sacked 47. And then obviously Mixon only played six games, so you can't really judge their run game too much. They were able to put up 4.1 yards a carry, though, and, and even though that was kind of bottom of the league, I honestly didn't think it was as, as bad as it could have been. Obviously, they could have been there in a Pittsburgh land, averaging eight yards a carry. And then their defensive rankings, so they were... 26th in total yards given up, 21st in total points allowed, 32nd in total sacks, and 16th in total interception. And then when you kind of look at their offseason additions, they added five O-linemen, four wide receivers, three tight ends, two running backs, six defensive linemen, two linebackers, four cornerbacks, one safety, one punter, one kicker. That's about 29 additions so far. Ten of them are rookies, and then six of them are undrafted. Just from all of that and then everything that you've kind of put together there, do you think that they've improved their roster, and then do you think it's good enough to win Gate Burrow out of the grass? I don't know necessarily if they're going to keep Burrow out of the grass, but I, I do think that <laughs> Burrow's the type of kid that's going to carry his team to some underdog wins. Uh, you know, I know he was out last at the end of the year, but the wins against the Texans and the Steelers last year, you know, to to finish the season were pretty monumentous. And you can take that that confidence, that that level, and and move forward. 
Um, mm-hmm. They signed uh, Hendrickson, and he had 13 and a half sacks last season. That was second in the NFL. They let Jackson go. Uh, he signed with the Washington football team. And they replaced him with Chidobi Awuzi from Dallas to a three-year deal. They signed Mike Hilton from the Steelers to replace Alexander. So both of those signings could be seen as improvements to the roster. Okay. You know, they've, they've gotten better in most aspects. Um, I don't want to go as far as to say they they have, like, the best receiving core in the AFC North, but it's plausible with who they've signed. The offensive line should improve drastically with the additions of Jackson, uh, Carmen, Riley Rafe, and uh, offensive line coach Frank Pollock. The defensive backs should be a strength of Lou um, and Arumo's defense, and the pass rush should be much more violent than last season. Yeah, I, I agree that they definitely added some much-needed you know, positions. I do think that their secondary got a lot better with uh, Awuzie and Hilton. They also added Eli Apple and then drafted uh, – they also signed Antonio Phillips as an undrafted. So I, I do think that they stressed that secondary quite a bit and then they also stressed that pass rush so they they drafted you know four people within that offensive line and then they drafted a and then they signed a linebacker who's more of like a pass rush linebacker who was a undrafted rookie there and then like you said they they signed Hendrickson and then they also signed Ojanobi so they kind of were trying to bolster that up I, I do think that they went really defensive heavy there was lots of weak spots over there on that spot and then they I just don't think they saw very many people in that draft that they wanted to draft there at offensive line obviously they drafted uh Trey Hill at center um Jackson Carmen and Deontay I think they liked a lot of the young guys that were in their room last year I think a few of them just were in and out so that that kind of hurt them with that I mean I don't know their schedule their schedule seems somewhat favorable at least at the start of the season I mean they could come out hot like I said with Burrow maybe doing some, some you know close nail biter wins. I mean, it could be even five and three or six and two at the beginning of the season. And if you keep some of that momentum up, you know, you could see them in the playoff playoff contention. It's 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 plausible that uh, you know that they could be. I don't think they're near Super Bowl caliber, but they're they're gonna they're on the right path. I I, I think we see a team that is gonna be around five hundred. I think that. Obviously, you know, it pains me to say this, but, you know, the, the Steelers don't look like the Steelers of old. As much as I would want them to be successful this year, I, I think that they're going to struggle a little bit, especially within the secondary. They, they lost Mike Hilton. They, they've lost a few other guys. And, and Joe Hayden is just not what Joe Hayden is. So, I mean, I Najee Harris, I think, possibly. Yes, I mean, obviously that him that, that, run game is going to be very helpful. But, again, if, if nobody can run or pass block, then <laughs> – then we're basically back in the same situation that we were last year. But but I do think that the Bengals have a potential to sneak a win against the Steelers at home. I, I do think that that's a possibility. I think that they have a chance of maybe sneaking a win against the Ravens at home, depending on what kind of Lamar you get that day. And then I, I think that the, the Browns are going to be a tough out for them. But anytime you play – a team in the division, you always sneak out a win somehow, sometimes. So if they if they can at least go 500 within their division, I do think that you're right. There's a good opportunity that we could see them fighting for a wild card spot. 
But if they can't at least go 500 within that division, I think they're going to stay right around that like six or seven win season, which honestly isn't that bad for them when you talk about where they were last year to where they are now. I just don't know, you know, <laughs> what the Bengals organization is going to think about their head coach. But then again, they let Marvin Lewis be, you know, the epitome of mediocrity for almost 20 years. So, is it Zach Smith? He'll probably be fine. <laughs> at least for another couple of years. So, I mean, but, it, Taylor could be looking for a job at the uh, end of next January, okay. you know, come if, if that's what happens. Yeah, I, I think honestly, and, and sometimes I, I feel like when organizations hire new coaches, whether that's in any um, sports organization, they don't give them enough time, especially when they're like, hey, you're going to rebuild this team. Like in the NFL, it takes time to do that. It takes time to acquire talent. It takes time to, you know, entice people to come in through free agency that doesn't happen overnight so realistically you've got to unless, unless they're just like unless they're like Hugh Jackson you go like one 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 over three years or something it was not it was not a lot like one or two games so obviously you're going to get canned then but I mean you got to give a coach at least five years you know because it's it's going to take it's going to take one year one or two years for them to be able to clear house of all the players they don't want in there and kind of build that culture up and then in that third year, you're kind of hoping that they take that step where they get around 500. And then in that fourth year, you hope that they take that step to where, you know, they're getting either wild card spot or really close to the playoffs. And then that fifth year, you're hoping that they, they've got their guys in place, they've built their culture. And now you have a team that could be a consistent winning team, playoff team, five, 10, maybe even 20 years if you're, you know, you're, you're hoping to get the next Bill Belichick or something like that or Mike Tomlin. So I don't know if that's, what they have in this instance, I, I know that they're building a pretty decent team there and, and and they're bringing in a lot of decent, you know, veteran players and pairing them with a lot of decent young players. So maybe, and they're spending money, which is something that the Bengals haven't done in years. Like they've spent the most money over the past two years than I think they did in the previous like five years. They want to win. They want to be good. But I don't know. I don't know if it was enough to be a playoff team this year, but I hope that Burrow can stay upright. Hope he doesn't get sacked almost four times a game because he's special and he's going to be good. And if the Bengals waste another Hall of Fame quarterback, I don't want to say he's Hall of Fame yet, but if they waste another Hall of Fame quarterback, then that's a shame. Yeah, I mean, if they can't protect him, he's not going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback if he's on the ground, you know, half the time. Yeah, can't be eating grass and be a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> well, I mean, what could Eli Manning? Correct. Okay. Two Super Bowls, and you know he he bit the dirt a lot. Well, he's that's a whole other episode. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, though, if you really like, I, I know we talk bad about Eli, but I, honestly, if you put up his stats towards some of the the top QBs, you know, in the last thirty, you know, thirty forty years, he's up there, and you know, he's not number one. You know, he's not in some categories, not even in the top ten. But he still he was consistently accurate, consistently you know good enough, and obviously good enough to make it to the playoffs. Obviously good enough to win two Super Bowls over the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. So you know some of that was coaching, but you know the players got to go out and execute that. So I think unfortunately with him, like his him and his brother, just they grew up watching the the gunslinger era. You know what I mean? They grew up watching their their dad. They grew up watching Brett Favre. So. Um, well, maybe not. Manning, Manning probably grew up watching Favre, but that just that that gunslinger mentality, like they're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna throw five interceptions a game, but 
gonna throw eight touchdowns and still win the game. So, like, I don't know. I, I don't think Eli Manning is as bad as everybody says he is, but I don't think he's as good as as the other half says he is. I do think that he's a very like solid quarterback. He definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for what he accomplished. I think Correct. he didn't have those two Super Bowls. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know if he ever makes it in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, I think he'd be close, but he he accomplished what he accomplished, and, and he'll make it, and deservedly slow because he beat probably the greatest quarterback you know that we'll ever see um, twice. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say this a hundred times: there's nothing more dangerous than eight and eight Giants team led by Eli Manning, two times crazy. But with that, we'll move on to our next topic. We are going to be talking about the Columbus Crew again this week. And I just kind of wanted to hit on how we felt about how they started off their time in the new stadium with a tie. Obviously, lately, they've had lots of ties, a few losses, not very many wins. And I don't quite know what that is due to. I I was doing some research and found that, you know, this month alone, they're going to have five players that are called up for international duty. I know last month they had four, but this month they have uh, Etienne, who's been called up for the Haiti team. Uh, Kevin Molino, who's being called up for Trinidad and Tobago. Liam Frazier for Canada. Room is being called up for Caraco. And then Zardes is being called up for the U.S. national team. And then since May 8th, they've had eight injuries, including Zardes, who now is leaving for international duty. So he's been in and out with injuries, and then he's not even going to be here for July. So I, I had a feeling maybe that might be it. But I just kind of wanted to get your feelings on that tie and how you felt about it in the new season and then how you felt about all these ties and losses over the past like five or six. I mean, I get a, a loss is a loss, but a tie is not a loss. You know, I, you want wins, obviously, but when it comes down to it, a, a tie is still not a loss. As far as I feel about the new stadium and, and the tie in the new stadium, I don't think a single Columbus Crew fan in there cared that it was a tie. I know we talked about this with the emotion last stadium and, you know, going out, but the emotion and the energy of the new stadium from the, the, you know, a couple friends that, that I know went and said it was just fantastic. It was like a kid opening a brand new bike on Christmas day, everything they wanted it to be. The field was amazing. The stands were amazing. The restaurants were amazing. You know, the atmosphere was just electric and I don't really care if it was, a tie. <laughs> they were just happy to be there, and, yeah. and I'm I'm glad that the fans got something out of it. Uh, even if it would have been a loss, they still would have got something out of it. Yeah, I mean, I I can see that. At least it's not a loss. You know, I, I think that obviously you don't want to start off with a loss, but you're right. A tie is not necessarily a loss. You still, I think you still get a point for it in our standings, and then it would have been nice to have a win at you know at the old stadium and then a win at the new stadium. But that's just kind of my opinion behind it. I understand it, it was rocking and people were having fun and, and it was a whole new experience. So I think that kind of, you know, distracted them from that feeling of, of not winning the game per se. But And then I guess, how do you feel about all the ties and, and you know, the few losses lately? I think we sit at like nine in the East right now, which is out of the playoffs. And, you know, after winning you know the title last year, I just don't know. Unless they go on, you know, a win streak, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to move up the table in time to kind of make. The I mean, it's possible we won't. 
like you said, there's, you know, since May 8th, there's been eight players out with injury. You know, sometimes when you play a hard year, especially, you know, COVID year like last year, you know, we saw it um, in the NHL bubble. We saw it in the, in the NBA bubble that, you know, a lot of people played really hard I mean, last year under a lot of different circumstances and under limited time frames. So you can't expect you to be back to back, you know, titles and with the injuries, it, the ties. I mean, the, the lack of wins does that bother me? Yes, because that just shows that towards the end of the game, you know, there's there's lack of finish. But they're trying the best they can. You know, nobody can say there's not hustle out there. And we'll see what happens come playoff time if they make it or if they don't. Yeah, like I said, when I was you know going over those names and stuff for. The international call-ups and then some stuff like that. I, 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 I kind of figure that's probably the reason there just hasn't been much continuity. And like you said, you know, shortened off seasons last year. Everyone was playing super hard. I mean, we've seen it within the NBA. I think that on each team in the playoffs, they they had a superstar go down, and the Nets had two go down because they have you know forty of them. But just it it would just kind of I don't know. I I guess. I guess my feeling behind it was like we finally have a sports team within Columbus, you know, professional sports team within Columbus that is considered consistently. And I was just hoping that they would, you know, start to consistently continue to make the playoffs. And I think they, I mean, they have over the past like six years, like four times out of those past six. But to kind of win it last year and then miss it this year, that that kind of sucks. But I also get we've had a few challenges. So and then obviously with the you know, with the Olympics, like the Euros and everything, players are getting pulled in every which direction. So it's just testing everybody. Maybe that shows that we don't have as good a depth as maybe we wanted, and hopefully man figures that out and addresses that for next season. Just to move on, on to our final topic, we're we'll talking about the name, image, and likeness that was put into place. So I think it was past a few weeks ago. Not even that, but July 1st. Yes, it started July 1st. And then the Supreme Court, I don't think they like necessarily like ruled on it, but they basically said that they couldn't continue to prevent players from profiting off of their name, image, or likeness. And then even to go as far as saying that them not being able to profit off of like game revenue is kind of, I think they used the word. Yeah, but Kavanaugh, I mean, Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh's exact words were that the NCAA is not above the law You know, when it comes to that type of category. So that, that's a pretty stern statement. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of want to get your opinion on how do you think college athletics is going to be different you know, over the next couple of years? And then what do you think that it is going to look like 10 years from now? I mean, I think that it's it's a positive for, for the NCAA. It, I think it's going to allow players to play a lot longer in, in the NCAA and collegiate sports. You're, I think you will see less one and done. And I'm going to say that you're going to see more players get you know, four-year scholarship or four-year degrees can actually finish out their collegiate stuff and have stuff to fall back on. And I think that you're really actually going to see a more, say this, more profitable, uh, you know, player athletes and player player students that when they are done with their sport, they're actually going to be more productive and you know have jobs to fall back on because of these degrees. I really think it's going to be a good thing for the NCAA, for the players. You know, I'm glad that it wasn't necessarily decided on to be like a salary type thing. Cause that's just a 
bag of worms that nobody wants to get into. So that the name, image, and likeness aspect of of this, mm-hmm. where they can cash in on that, you know, for autographs, for what have you, is, is a is a great thing. And I I just see a better round, well rounded student athlete in the future. Ten years from now, it's going to be that much. Okay, I I like this. I love this. I think that they should go back and apologize to some of the players that they punished in the past for this because you don't think so no i don't think so at all i think that it was a rule back then and it should be it it, because it was illegal back then does not change the fact that it was illegal or against the rules back then they shouldn't go just because the rule changed doesn't mean you know that we're all of a sudden gonna reinstate ricky williams heisman or any of this type or not ricky william but um what you call it reggie bush's heisman sorry i don't I, and that's and maybe it, that's where it, we'll it, disagree on this one but it's just i just feel like if we're gonna sit here and be like this is this is wrong they should have never it should never have been a thing to begin with then i don't see how we how we don't go back and be like oh sorry reggie bush here's a here's your heisman back let's just put all your stats back in there that you accomplished that we all saw that you did like it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, sorry, you know, was it Terrell Pryor and Jim Trussell that we just, you know, Jim Trussell that we still, you know, took Ohio State from you and, and sorry, you know, Terrell Pryor that we, you know, it just, I, I, I don't know. It, there's there's so many things where it's just like, obviously, like, you know, there's certain instances where you're like, okay, obviously we're not going to give that stuff back. Like, I'm not going to get into it. But if you know, you know, Penn State, that's completely different. But yeah, completely. But at at the end of the day, it's like I don't know if we're gonna sit here and agree like, ah, oh, this is so wrong, we can't keep doing this. Then then why not go back and and right the wrongs? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I get what you're saying too, and I understand like, oh, you know, it was a rule then, and and obviously they broke it and they weren't supposed to. But again, if it's so wrong and it was so wrong and we never should have it never should have been happening the way that it was then why not go back and fix it? I mean, now now it's changed, and, and the, the these guys are, are cashing in on it. Miami quarterback Derek King launched, like, three different things at the stroke of midnight. Like, he was so ready for it. He opened <laughs> up his online merchandise shop that sold uh, branded clothing and autographed memorabilia. I think Florida State, I think that's it. Uh, quarterback Mackenzie Milton co-founded Dreamfield, which is fantastic, like, I love that they were all about this and all on this when it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company that will help college athletes set up speaking appearances and autograph signings. And then I think along with the Hurricanes safety, Bolden is his name, Bubba Bolden. Uh, he signed a $20,000 deal to promote two Tampa-based companies on social media. You might have heard this. I've seen the sign a couple of places, but... Uh, you know, free advertising for them right now. College hunks hauling junk and um, <laughs> and Murphy uh, Auto Group and the, both of those signings were uh, with ten thousand dollars signing bonuses. So it's like, well, and, and this is this don't is, play the don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah, and th- this is helping out more than just just the football players. Like there was what the the volleyball player from. Um, Oh, I forget where she's from. But there's there's a volleyball player that like immediately right at midnight, like all these other football players, she basically, you know, started making tons of money off of her social media. Like she has like almost 
3 million social media followers on like Instagram or something like that. So she started being able to, you know, put ads out and make revenue from that as well. So like this, this whole new era of social media influencers and followers, now you can add athletes to it. And you look at somebody like Tyler Hero, obviously his play dipped because he was focused a lot on that social media following. But I feel like that's what a lot of these kids are going to have to figure out. You know what I mean? They're going to have to figure out how to manage their social media following while also managing how to keep their play up on the field or on the court. And obviously some of them are not going to be successful, but some are, you know what I mean? So it's definitely. Well, well now I mean, if I'm not a hundred percent sure on this. So if, if I'm wrong on this, somebody, you know, correct us in the, uh, the notes or on, on our social media, but can they have agents now? I think they can have agents and yeah, somebody yeah. to represent them so you could have somebody that actually does that work for you mm-hmm. so you don't have to do it as much yourself so and that's and that, that that's a huge part too but it's 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 more than just managing it's, it's going to events it's you know what i mean so you got to think like they're going to be like oh we'll give you you know 10 grand but you got to come to a signing day you got to come to the shop one day you got to come do this and this and this and this and this it's all going to be part of the deal so now you're looking at it like well i got practice i got all this stuff and 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 obviously not every single person is going to get offered this stuff. It's just going to be the big name players. But yeah. I, I think it's I do think it's going to open up more than just you know our our two major college athletics, which is football and basketball. It's going to open up a whole new you know door for every other college athletic. You know whether that's volleyball, tennis, track, swimming, because a, a lot of these kids they are you know they're big in their own circles. They have their own following within their own circles. And if they have a few hundred thousand followers on social media, they can make, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars a post for something. And that's that's money that they can use to either reinvest in themselves, help pay for college, help their families out. They, they can buy better it. equipment. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I get it. You know, one thing that part of it that was like they it's their name, image and likeness. So they can't say, oh, it's so-and-so from the Ohio State University, it has to be, my name is this, and if you hopefully know me, so cash in on that, but they can't incorporate the school mm-hmm. uh, with them. I think that that's the case, or that's the, the rule. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think it's still all going to be hashed out. I think eventually, like, my, my prediction over the next two years is, is we're just going to see more of, more of these college athletes kind of start you know, monetizing over it. But I think that in the next 10 to 15 years, I think college football and college basketball, as we know it, is either going to change so dramatically or or we won't have college athletics within football or basketball at that level anymore. I think that eventually either two things are going to happen. I think college athletics is either going to go to a tier system where we take the top 40 teams and we put them in tier one, you know, the next 40 to 50 teams are in tier two, and then everybody else is in tier. And that's where we're going to sit. And then tier one is obviously going to be all of your, you know, top end three stars to top end five stars. And then everything else will kind of trickle down from there. Or I think that the NFL is going to, invest in one of these spring leagues that have kind of started popping up and going away obviously we had the was it the xfl but then covid hit so then it kind of failed but that one looked like it might take off 
So I think the NFL might invest in one of these and then we'll get a developmental G League system within that if they can put together, you know, 20 teams and they could basically do the same that, you know, developmental G League is doing where they just take, you know, the top so many recruits through the country and they stick them in there and they develop them. You know, the G League does it for one year and then they get drafted, but the, the NFL could do it for you know, two or three years, develop these guys, and then they you know, draft it into the NFL. And then college athletics would kind of just go back to normal, I guess. And, you know, players could still make money off of their name and likeness, but it's not going to be at the same rate because all of the, you know, best players are going into that developmental league. So we're going to have more of that, you know, student-athlete feel again within college athletics. It'll definitely be interesting to see. I mean, it's great to at this time in, in sports and in, in college sports to be able to see what happens. Yeah. Because it could go, you know, a number of different ways. We'll just have to wait and see. Definitely be a topic that we'll probably touch on as we, you know, continue through the year because it, it does affect Ohio State. And, you know, we'll have to see who from Ohio State starts making that big money. I mean, obviously we have other D1 athletics within Ohio too, whether that's, you know, University of Cincinnati, Toledo, Dayton, Penn State and uh, University of Ohio, University of Miami, Ohio, I can say. <laughs> but they all have, you know, Cincinnati with their, their football and basketball program, Dayton with their basketball program. So they all, they all have their own rights within their big sports. So they might have some, some guys and women that will start making a lot of money off of their name image. But as always, we're going to end the show with a quick sports rundown. And then we will get into our double take segment. Looking at the Reds. They are second in the NL Central. They've actually won five of their last nine games. So they're on a bit of an uptick, which is pretty good for Reds fans. And they are in game one right now of a seven-game series with the Brewers. And that'll see them flipping home fields around game five. I believe, looking at it right now, they're in the bottom of the sixth in the Reds lead, three to two. Then looking at the Indians, they are second in the AL Central, and they are on a bit of a skid, a nine-game skid to be exact. So let's hope that they can kind of turn that around. They are in the ninth inning, tied 4-4 with the Royals, and that's going to be game one of a four-game series with the Royals. And then to finish off, we're going to give an update on the crew. So they are ninth in the East, like we said earlier. They have drawn or lost each of their last three games. So let's kind of hope that they figure it out. And then their next game is tomorrow against their new rival, FC Cincinnati, in Cincinnati at 7.30. I don't know if that's necessarily a new rival, but it's a new rival for me because... <laughs> and as always, we're going to finish this off with our double take segment. So I will have Greg start off. He will give one thing that he think will happen in the scoring world over the next two weeks. And if you remember the last episode, I think both of us had a little bit of egg on our face. Greg, more than me, because the Suns actually made it to the finals, and they won game one, but they did not win game one against the Hawks. They won game one against the Bucks. So, and I believe they are playing right now. I'll try to look up that score unless Greg has it. Suns are up 65 to 51 with about nine and a half left in the third. Nice. So... I always always say one of the Hawks to go in against the Suns, and that the you know <laughs> it was you know I wanted the Hawks to be there, but I'm gonna kind of steal what you said 
last week or last time, which was Sons and Four. Sons and Sons and Four. Yeah. You know that that's gonna be that's gonna be my thing that happens over the next two weeks. I think by the time that we meet again, I I know I know the Suns are gonna win. If they don't win, then I'll they'll take all the egg on my face. But I I know they're gonna win. They want it. Chris Paul wants it. Devin Booker is that dude. And you know, DeAndre Aiden is is an even bigger dude. So you know, if you would have told me I thought the Suns were pretty much going to take it even, you know, in the by the first round, we're mm-hmm. going to go all the way. But I, I would have said Devin Booker, you know, if I could have interviewed him, I would have said, what are you going to do with your, your playoff, you know, your, your NBA Finals MVP? Like, that's kind of the way I was looking at it. Like, he mm-hmm. has to be the guy. But the way that Chris Paul has played, I mm-hmm. mean, he has just balled out. Mm-hmm. And Once, he has. You know what? He, he doesn't want it. He needs it. I think yeah. I, I heard that phrase the other day and I think everybody else wanted it, but like Chris Paul, he needs it. And everybody else on that team sees that he needs it and they need it too because they, they, they want him to have it because he needs it that bad. Like, it, I heard an interview today with him that, you know, like that they said, like, let's play with pace. And he meant that in like a more sped up way. You know, he's, he's, he's the, the floor general, you know, that's mm-hmm. his name. Like he likes to slow stuff down and, and, you know, the coach was like, no, we need to play with pace. We need to, you know, match that intensity that, that, you know, that the Bucks, the Bucks have. And I think it's, it's working. I, I think that he's going to be finals MVP and he's going to get that ring after 16 seasons. And, and I couldn't be happier for him. And, and to be completely honest, I'm not ruling out the possibility that he comes back to Phoenix next year and they they don't find themselves in a similar situation. I know it's hard to go back to back, but and I know he's but, gonna be a year older, but like I said, Devin Booker is that dude, DeAndre Aiden is that dude, and they have a lot of good young talent on that team. And Chris Paul has shown, you know, he's he is kind of pulling what you know what we've said LeBron James has been pulling where he is still dominant at that age, and it doesn't look like he's slowing down much. Look at like how that team is just so filled with young guys, mm-hmm. and so obviously we have got two more games to go after this, you know, or possibly five more games to go after this. But what have you? But they pull this out, and what they've done to get to the finals and to win an NBA championship. Now you come back next year with not only. Like I'm young, but I've got confidence to boot, and I'm coming back in with confidence and a little bit of swag, and they could go pretty far. That'll be nice. All right, in the second part of our double take segment. So, what is one crazy thing that you saw, heard about, or happened to you over this past? So, I'm gonna stick actually stay with the finals. This is the first finals since the in the 1971, 72 that not one single player on either team in the finals has had a chip. Oh, wow. So any, either team wins, it'll be the first for everybody on that team. And that's just nuts. That is crazy. Yeah. And it was like, like the, the final four teams, they hadn't made a finals since like, uh, was it since the merger? Something like that? Back in 70. Well, the Barclays 93 team made it to the finals. Think against maybe, the Pistons, maybe, maybe um, but it, it was yeah. But the last four teams, it was it was you know a couple of years you know 
at least two decades since oh, any wow. of them. <laughs> the Bucks were like since '73. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Well, my thing is not about the finals. I've been holding on to this one for a minute. It's a little. This is this is not necessarily something crazy that's happened or something, but but it's definitely something that that happened to me. So on the same day, this is gonna be more of a PSA. I might rant for a minute, but get ready, guys. When you're driving a car, and this is for everyone who's gonna start driving. All right, when you come to a four-way stop, I know that like the rule written down rule is like you know the person to your left, whatever. No, society's rule. The first person who gets there gets to go, right? So if you get there first and I get there after you, I don't want to be staring at you for three minutes. Just go. You got there first. Don't be nice. Don't don't try to wave me on. And is no. You got there first. You don't know if that could have been a brand new driver who was just felt more comfortable with you going first. You know, I, they, they don't know the rule yet, Nick. They well, now, they just they don't now, teach now, this in driver's now, ed. Now now they do. You get there first, you get to go first. Okay, Second. so you guys listening to Deep Dive Sports, this is the new rule that everybody <laughs> driving in Ohio needs to follow. Second thing of Nick's driving. If you are turning right, unless there is like a crazy bump, a pothole, or something in the road, do not come to a complete stop when you turn right. I don't care. Like, there, there are certain circumstances, I get it. But 90% of the time, you should not come to a complete stop turn right if i have to come to a complete stop so that you can turn right i might lose my mind nick the the law is that you come to a complete stop at a stop sign it's no, 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 the no. law no, not, not a stop sign i get that stop sign red lights who stop for stop signs and red lights don't don't, don't okay don't. okay you you, you have to preface that that's that's I'm sorry. <laughs> giving I'm sorry. out bad information if you were like if you were like if you have a green right or you're turning into like a parking lot or something don't don't stop don't come to you don't need to come to a complete stop. You can you can like slow down so you can turn, I get it, be safe, but but don't stop. There's there's no stop sign, there's no red light, you're good to go. Have fun. Third thing, roundabouts. This is a two-part thing. You don't if there's nobody in the roundabout, you don't have to stop. It, it's a yield. You, you just you just get in it. Second of all, don't go the wrong way in a roundabout. If I'm going around a roundabout and I see you coming at me, we're having an issue. And when I also, say all of roundabouts you, are not uh, commonplace in uh, most Ohio and or <laughs> U.S. cities and or driving lanes. Well, so maybe if you're from England or, you know, somewhere in Europe, it's, it's I, I you know, but England, England had roundabouts, I think. I, I don't know. I think it came from over in Europe. I don't think we ever had roundabouts until somebody went over there. <laughs> this is a great idea. Let's bring it back to the states, yeah. and only in Ohio. But even even if you're not used to a roundabout, it's pretty self-explanatory. Like you drive on the right side of the road, so you're gonna... it, it was not to Clark Griswold in European Vacation. He was stuck in that <laughs> thing for hours. If you if you remember that movie, oh my gosh, yeah. And you know, some people, like I said, if, if you're coming at me in a roundabout, you have a whole new issue. And then if I have to stop and you have to stop and we're staring at each other trying to figure out why that you came the wrong way in this roundabout, it's just not fun. And, and when I say all three of these things happen to me in, in one day, in like one driving attempt, it just, I, I don't know, it, it, it got me. I've been holding on to this one for like a week and a half. And like I said, thank you for attending this driving school. Not not deep dive sports, not Ohio versus. This was mixed driving school all along. I was just waiting. We, we had to get through all that other stuff so we can get to this. But remember. You get to a four-way stop, first one goes, 
Don't go the wrong way around the roundabout. And as long as there's no stop sign or red light, you don't have to come to a complete stop. And you turn it right. That's all it's got. Well, thankfully that driving is actually sports. So this was somewhat sports related. So we didn't lose people, at least hopefully by the end of this. <laughs> we didn't lose. They're like, oh, I didn't realize this was a driving show. Uh, I guess uh, I'm not listening to this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week when we learn how to parallel park. <laughs> no, but in all honesty, we do love talking about sports. We do love talking about sports with all of you. I will continue to rant and go on about things. That's just me. I apologize for that. But again, thank you for listening to episode two of Ohioverse. And thank you to Greg for coming on again. Always. He does amazing stuff. And we hope to all have you listen to us next time. And as always, we are Deep Dive Sports. This was Ohioverse. Until next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, Feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.